Buck. Buck played tight end all the way up through the NFL. And uh, the play at the end, or towards the end, the holding call, Buck, your thoughts on that moment? It was holding, Bill. Uh, it was. Yeah, I I, uh, I hated it for Bradbury, but he even came out and said he held. Now, Correct. was it an egregious holding? No. Was it one of the worst you're going to see? No. But I said this earlier in the game with the folks I was watching the game. There were a couple of officials that were locked in to making some calls, and a few of them were even chirping with the players. And I'm like, man, get out of the way. Uh, get out of the way. I don't want to see you as an official show up in the Super Bowl or any big-time game. And I've got some guys that are officials, and I've known them a long time, and we talk about that. Don't make yourself a part of the game. Not that that call was a part of the game, because it was, but it's just the overarching theme of are you going to be, are you going to be in the game and just be there, or are you going to be seen? And um, unfortunately for the Eagles, that was a holding call. And, I mean, I think their folks attested to it. Man, we missed some cut. Look, Philadelphia got away with Lane Johnson was offside. I mean, he that kickstart that he has, he has been doing that all year. But officials can't get it because he's so quick. Uh, it's just little things in the game you can see if you watch the game that that wasn't the reason they lost. But it sure did help seal the deal for him. Buck, I got to tell you, not an original thought, but – it bears revisiting what Jalen Hurts is compared to what I thought he was is yes. remarkable. Bill, I, I say this all the time. I was cheering for Philly just because of Jalen. I, I know his dad indirectly through a lot of guys. He's from Channel View, Texas, right outside of Houston. Um, I, I love the kid. Uh, the, the reason why is because of what he went through with Alabama. And Nick Saban doesn't give a whole lot of platitudes, right? Nick ain't the one to be, uh, you know, the guy was great. But I have heard him over and over, even after Jalen transferred, because he went to Nick and they talked through it. And Nick went through the council with his family and said, hey, here's where you need to go. He was the one that said, go to Oklahoma, because you're going to be playing with guys that are as talented as what you're going to play with at the next level, and you're going to learn how to throw the football. And he knew from his time in the NFL to – now back in college, as good as Jalen was with his legs, he had to get better with his arm. There were some throws that won the Goddard on the sideline, the one that they called that they called an incompletion to uh, Slim Reaper, that throw. There, I mean, he Pat Mahomes said it after the game. He said, "Hey, don't let it, don't let it, don't get it twisted." Basically, in my my estimation of what Pat Mahomes said, Jalen had a heck of a game, and he showed that he deserved to be there. And I like the fact that now he has shown the maturity to play at such a high level and understands the game and can beat you with his legs like he did on that touchdown and then that I mean that two point conversion when he had to run through people. And then also just the ability to show what he needs to do when he needs to run. The big thing for Philly was their defensive line couldn't get to Mahomes and that played itself out and late in the game. I love how Andy Reid, and let's give Eric Bieniemy a lot of credit, but boomerang motion where you come in and then you go out, they were going across the formation earlier. But Philly would always bump because they were so worried about the, the jet sweep and some of the other things that they would bump that off. Or they were worried about, remember Kelsey when he scored on that seven route earlier with, with that little 
we call it in motion, but it was just a real short motion. Then he goes up the field and scores. They ran the same play on both of those touchdowns, one to Kadarius Tony, and then the other one to Sky Moore, and they were wide open because they didn't adjust. Philly didn't adjust, but uh, clearly <laughs> those guys at Kansas City, that offensive staff did a hell of a job late in the game. But you to answer your question, that... in a long-winded fashion, Jalen Hurts has really, he's really turned out to be a great player. When I was watching the motion sequence you're talking about, it reminded me Sark did the same thing in the national championship game for Alabama with Smitty. And Ohio State, Smitty was running in – of course, it's it's Smitty, so he's running in green grass no matter what, right? But they they <laughs> could never check him in the flats back in 2020 in that game. The reason I call it boomerang, we did a little bit of that because we were trying to figure out when I was with the hot shots. Right. We, we ran motion where you would go across the formation with the receiver, then you would run and then have him come in hard and then bounce back out or go behind the line of scrimmage because then you can identify, are they bumping coverage, meaning are safety's going to bump over, are they going to roll coverage, is somebody going to run with them? When you see that person run with them and then there's the numbers get skewed because it, they get right to where the receiver is and they say, okay, boom, I'm coming back out. And I saw it the first time. I'm like, okay, they're going to adjust to that. And then I said, but if they don't and they get in the red zone again, they're going to score the same way. Guys are going to run scot-free and Sky Moore – was right there, and you're right. The, the thing I love about their staff is they don't mind. And the enemy talked about this before with the Philly special. Uh, or, I mean, when, at KC, when they ran something from 1940, they'll figure out something that works and go to it when they need it. And it's a wrinkle you haven't seen maybe in a few weeks or you just haven't seen it because you've seen all their film. But then they come with something that is a little bit different and it just blows you away. You're like, wow. I mean, Travis Kelsey, some of those corner routes that he catches. Travis Kelsey is given the ability, man, to just kind of freelance and run option route every damn time, and I love it, and I wish I played in the offense like that where I could just run like I did at UCLA where I could run option routes because I'd beat you every time. You have no defense against it. And me and the quarterback develop a relationship. He knows where I'm going, and I'm going to get wide open. Charles R. Buckle with us. Buck, I don't know if you've seen the story. You, I, you probably did. Marcus Freeman is searching for an offensive coordinator. He brings in Andy Ludwig from Utah, which would be a good hire. Wines and dines him. They go to hockey game. It's on Twitter. He is offered the job. I think probably wants the job. And then Notre Dame tells Marcus Freeman, we're not going to pay the buyout, which is $2.8 million. How embarrassing is that if you're Marcus Freeman? Was that from Leftwich or? No, no, Andy Ludwig at Utah. Oh, okay, okay. Is that why they ended up with Leftwich or? No, no, they don't don't have a coordinator. So I thought it was a done deal with Leftwich. That's why I'm shocked. And I just haven't paid attention to it the last couple of weeks. So they wouldn't buy, they wouldn't pay the 2.8 million buyout at Notre Dame. At Notre Dame, that's got more resources than there's dirt. Hey, like in dead presidents, they got money to burn. Right. Man, are you kidding me? And Andy yeah. Lovewood is a great play caller. I'm, I am shot. Yeah, Bill, I um, 
I just assumed I, I kind of left that one alone after I thought, okay, well, Leftwich is coming back. But then they had a chance at Andy Ludwig and didn't yeah. hire him for two for three million dollars. Correct. What? Okay. Well, yeah, there's there's something going on at Notre Dame. <laughs> yes. Which that is and, crazy. Buck, you know, I mean, Marcus Freeman's not a hothead, so you probably won't see a whole lot publicly about it. But behind the scenes, I'm having a come to Jesus meeting. Well, I would be too for him, man, because you're right. He is so mild mannered and. Just pretty laid back, but you lose Tommy Reese, who you know I thought was really good for them, and now you you can't get Byron Leftwich or you don't whatever that doesn't work out, and you can't pay Andy Ludwig, who's one of the hot names. So then what it forces you to do, Bill, is it takes you the third or fourth choice, who is going to be somebody that, yeah, maybe they'll work out, but they won't be as creative and imaginative as Marcus Freeman's trying to get. You know, the defensive play caller. He understands which offenses give him problems, and for them not to, yeah, I'm, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go look at that one this week because I just I took it for granted, and I've been so focused on the Super Bowl. But yeah, it, it just it just makes sense though that he's going to really have to go and fight the hill, and meaning if you have a player that might not be, you know, that may be on the bubble that is a smart guy but you know didn't didn't participate well because this is what Notre Dame does also for academics. If you don't really do well in your senior year, and I can't remember, I remember being recruited by them and they telling us this story. You've you got to really show all the way through your senior year, your grades can't really drop off. So say you make a C and one of, you know, your core classes in your senior year, they could kind of turn away from you. And Notre Dame has been known to do that. Not just Notre Dame, but Stanford, some of the other schools that have high academic standards. Well, man, imagine as a senior, you're recruited by everybody in the country, and you you kind of you, you pull off the brakes, and you're, you're a good student. It's not that you, you've struggled all through school. You've done all, well on all your core classes. And I'm exaggerating this, so Notre Dame fans don't get upset, but y'all know it's true. But then if you take your your foot off the gas a little bit and you don't score as well, they can say, well, he didn't do well. The academic folks would look at that and say, well, he, you know, he didn't perform well in a core class senior year. How is he going to do here? Which I think is asinine because I'm going to get to school and you've got all the resources. And if I'm a good student or have a good base, I'll figure the thing out. My tutors will help me figure this out, and I'll get through that. But you lose sometimes on some of these kids that are really, really good players and they're good students, but you knock them or you ding them with that. And that three point, that three million dollar deal is just, <laughs> I'm, just yeah. I'm blown away by it. I, I hope he can figure that out because it's going to be a tough sled for him if he's not able to get a good, strong offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. Aliquippa Bob from Pittsburgh, living now down in Florida. Ask Buck what happened to Philadelphia's passing game in the second half. Uh, Kansas City got a little bit better. Uh, Kansas City made them one-dimensional. Think about those linebackers in Bolton in particular, how they played the run and took away that, that three-headed run combination for Philly, and they, they were able to expose them and made them a one-dimensional team. And remember this. Kansas City had the ball longer. Philly is designed to play from ahead, not from behind. And I think that, to me, was the other thing. I don't even look at Philly's pass game. I look at their pass rush game, having 
70 sacks on the year or something like that, the third most ever in NFL history. Not one time did they get the Mahomes to sack him. If they did, it was a it was a fluke. So to me, the pass rush ability of that front four could not get to him, and they start dialing up pressure, and that allowed Kansas City to find holes. I remember that big long run by Mahomes, Pacheco. You know, there were some things that happened. They put they put Philly in conflict on defense, and they really exposed them in the second half. Got about two minutes here, Buck. Husker Ron, big Nebraska fan up in Ohio, says, I'm hearing the Big Ten may go to pods with Nebraska, Southern Cal, UCLA, and Minnesota in the West pod. He asked, why not keep two divisions by adding Southern Cal and UCLA to the West and moving Purdue to the East? I don't think, Buck, anybody, SEC included, is going to have divisions here in a couple of years. I agree with you. I don't think I think divisions have gone away, and the pods are going to work. Or I can still see until UCLA and USC comes over them looking at other schools, i.e., Washington, Oregon, Stanford. You know, whichever combination you want to do, I think Washington should be involved in that. But it's, it's interesting. The division piece is gone. I don't think we're going to see that anymore. I would see Pod the way he just described it, and I've seen multiple ways that they've looked at this. But that pod system makes more sense if you don't add another couple of additional schools uh, like uh, to the west western region. So for me, I think you know the, the folks in the the big Big Ten are, are loving the opportunity to be able to travel out west. Uh, you'll see matchups that we haven't seen generally except early in the year, like we used to play Michigan and we played Tennessee early in our season. You'll see a lot more of that with the Big Ten schools coming out west, and then USC getting to play Ohio State. I mean, it's just going to be really interesting to watch that. For me, I'm, I'm selfishly liking it because I can now fly to you know Maryland and see UCLA or Rutgers and see them play and then having to go all the way across the country or go up and see them play at Ohio State, which I've, I've seen once, but I'd love to see that again. So um, I'm selfish for it that I like that it's happening, but I want to see a couple more teams added for – the Western school's sake and also for the Big Ten school's sake. Buck, we're out of time, and I didn't even get to ask you about Texas and OU coming a year early to the SEC. Got all the way through here didn't even get there. All right. We'll do it next week, man. Good. It's good talking to you. And hopefully, if Notre Dame calls me, I'll take it for 2.7 2. since they won't say the 2.8. <laughs> yeah, Bill, you coming with me, too. You're going to be my analyst now. I'll, I'll, I'll be there, man. <laughs> <laughs> See you, man. Uh-huh. Charles Arbuckle.